0: Hi everyone, welcome to On the Environment, the podcast from the Yale Center for Environmental Law and Policy. I'm Jenna Bygrass, a master's student at the Yale School of the Environment. Today I am speaking with Aisha Saad, who is currently a Fellow of the Program on Corporate Governance at Harvard Law School. Aisha contributed to a recently released book called Values at Work: Sustainable Investing and ESG Reporting which dives into the world of sustainable finance and explores how companies and investors can respond to a growing number of environmental and social issues. Aisha's chapter discusses the challenges of environmental, social, and governance, or ESG, reporting, corporate sustainability commitments, and investing in ESG funds. Aisha, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Jenna. So in the book, Values at Work, you co-wrote a chapter with Diane Strauss that explored the current state of corporate sustainability performance data and disclosure, and ways that we can make that data and reporting more reliable. Can you tell us why you think that these improvements are important?
1: Sure. So companies are increasingly disclosing sustainability information to their investors and to the public. And investors are increasingly requesting this type of data, and they're using it to make investment decisions. Right now, we have a problem with the specificity, reliability, comparability, and legal actionability of this data. So, if information on companies' ESG government, environment, social, and governance performance data is to be meaningful and actually to advance the desired ends of improving corporate sustainability instead of just serving as mere greenwashing, then it has to be improved.
0: Great. Thank you. So you mentioned that there is this increasing demand for ESG investment funds, which is driving this investor push for more ESG data. What do you think is driving this demand for ESG investment funds? Is it public concern or investor concern or something else?
1: This demand is driven by a number of factors. Um, First is changing public attitudes towards corporations and the public's expectations from corporations. The public zeitgeist is shifting with respect to corporations and to their broader role in society. 50 years ago, the expectation was that corporations existed to maximize profits and considerations of social responsibility were pretty much considered fringe. More recently, however, the public considerations have changed. And now there's this expectation that corporations should do public good. Um, That's quite mainstream. Millennials are also an important part of this trend. They tend to express the objective of doing good with their investments, and they back, they, they back this up with their support of socially responsible investment, um, where they put their money. A second driver is the claim, albeit this claim is contested in the scholarship, that those companies that focus on ESG tend to outperform their peers, and so there's this financial drive. And a third driver is an evolving and expanded understanding of risk and the types of risks that should be managed by corporate management. There's this growing acceptance that corporate management should factor in risks arising from issues like climate change in order to do their job right. I'd say those are the three main drivers that I can think of.
0: Great. So with this um, increasing push for ESG funds, um, the chapter also discusses the current legal frameworks in both the U.S. and the European Union, um, both of which are insufficient to ensure reliable ESG disclosures. In the US specifically, companies can help be held accountable to their sustainability reports through securities fraud litigation, which has its own challenges. So do you think that one way to address this challenge is to require all companies to disclose their ESG data? And do you think that mandatory reporting requirements would actually improve the quality of companies' sustainability reports?
1: Yes, absolutely. One way to address this challenge is definitely to require all companies to disclose specific ESG data, because this would afford investors access to consistent and comparable information across companies. And that enables them to make informed decisions when comparing between companies in the same industry or when engaging with corporate management to change particular practices in a specific company. So mandatory reporting requirements allow for accessibility and availability of data. But they don't necessarily ensure quality or reliability of the disclosed information. That's a problem. Um, This is typically accounted for by auditors, third party watchdog groups like NGOs, and regulatory enforcement mechanisms. Um, We see this in Europe, for example, in 2014, we write about this in the chapter, the European Union enacted the non-financial reporting directive, and that required companies with more than 500 employees to disclose a non-financial statement along with their financial filings. This included environmental and social data, like the company's share of renewable energy, water and air pollution, gender equality, amongst a host of other things. And the directive also required that companies describe their principal risks and policies associated with sustainability, risks of adverse impact, and due diligence processes. Now, this requirement did allow for more widely accessible data, but it didn't get around the problem of reliability of this data. And four years later, an evaluation of these disclosures found that 27% of issuers providing Uh, these kinds of disclosures were actually providing boilerplate language, and 35% were failing to provide at least one piece of mandatory information. Without auditing or actionability for misleading statements, investors are left to validate this information themselves, and that's virtually impossible. Um, That process is very resource intensive, and it's almost inconceivable to do for every company in an investor's portfolio. Wow.
0: So um, with... Uh, mandatory ESG reporting requirements, what do you think is the best way to make this happen? Do you think it's through passing new legislation or creating new regulatory requirements from the Securities Exchange Commission or something else entirely?
1: So the European Union already has mandatory reporting. I think it has for about 10 years. But in the U.S., the best way would be to do that through mandatory SEC disclosure requirements. Um, Right now, SEC regulations and guidance only require disclosure of ESG issues when they're considered material to a reasonable investor. And what that means is that this information alters the total mix, that's the legal term or the the legal standard, alters the total mix of information available to an investor. Um, Based on the changing expectations of both socially responsible investors who self identify as such and mainstream investors, who themselves declare this information to be important to their investment decisions, the argument can certainly be made that ESG disclosures are now material in today's investment marketplace. The harder question is which disclosures should be required.
0: Great. So um, adding to the complexity of um, information out there around ESG funds, there are a variety of ESG rating organizations like the Sustainability Accounting Standards Board and the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures, all of which use different metrics to rate companies. Um, What do you think is the difficulty with having these multiple ESG rating organizations, and how can governments or other organizations address this challenge? In addition, do you think any of these existing frameworks might possibly be adopted by governments in the future?
1: So the variety that you describe is a natural consequence of ESG disclosures being defined and governed by the market rather than by regulation. The obvious challenge is that you have a variety of metrics that are not apparently comparable so investors get a lot of noise and this makes ESG data confusing and it makes ratings difficult to compare there was some research out of MIT in 2019 that compared data and ratings from different ESG providers and the researchers found that in a data set comparing five ESG raters correlations between their scores were 0.61 and for reference the 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 correlating Um, score for correlation between credit ratings is 0.99, so difference between the two is quite big. Um, The point there is that there's quite a significant variance between the ratings provided by different ESG providers. Now, with at least a dozen major third-party companies that do these ratings, what we end up with is what the researchers termed aggregate confusion. Governments can address this challenge by mandating clear and consistent disclosure requirements. In the absence of government involvement, which is the case we have now, there is a role for third-party auditors who vet published ESG statements, and there's also a role for the courts. Uh, we write about this in our chapter. The courts can ensure that investors can hold companies to account when their statements regarding ESG are inaccurate or misleading.
0: Okay. So outside of changing these reporting requirements, what do you think are some, are some other ways that we can improve corporate ESG reporting?
1: One specific way that Diane and I talk about in our chapter is the legal approach to improving ESG reporting um, or, or the legal accountability for ESG reporting. In previous research, we identified three key criteria that courts consider when determining whether or not a corporate statement is material. And what that means is that investors can sue based on the inaccuracy or misleading nature of that statement. Um, These three factors are the type of document where the statement appears. Is it in financial reporting? Is it in uh, voluntary sustainability reports? Is it on websites? Is it in uh, press releases? Um, Number two is how general or specific the statement is. And number three is the statement's time posture, meaning is it forward looking or is it present or backwards looking. Already, courts consider statements made in a variety of formats and publications to be potentially material, meaning that investors can sue uh, based on the inaccuracy or misleading nature of these statements, provided that this information informed a reasonable investor. The more specific a statement is, also the more likely that courts are to consider it material and to allow investment claims to move forward. And statements about the past or the present are more likely to be considered material than ones about the future, those are almost categorically dismissed um, as not being actionable for investors. Now this leaves a big gap with respect to aspirational statements and commitments made by companies, and this is characteristic of a lot of statements that are made in ESG reports. Um, These are almost categorically inactionable. And they are a part of ESG ESG disclosure, and investors do rely on them when gauging a company's culture, when projecting prospective performance based on, uh, for example, commitments to reducing greenhouse gas emissions or commitments to reducing uh, carbon footprint. One thing courts can do is to adopt a different test. So instead of... Um, just considering whether a statement is forward-looking or whether it's specific or whether it's in a particular format or publication, um, we propose that courts can look at how far a company has gone to meet the kinds of commitments that they make and to carry out the aspirations in their statements. So really to look at this nexus between what types of statements corporations are making and what kinds of actions are being taken in furtherance of those statements. But this is a double-edged sword because as companies face greater liability for the substance of their disclosures, they're also likely to become more reticent and to disclose less.
0: So you mentioned that companies might become more reluctant to sharing information in their sustainability reports. Um, Can you say why that is and how we can address that challenge? Sure. So the
1: information that companies are sharing in these voluntary sustainability reports is not required. And companies are really carrying out a kind of balancing test when deciding what information to share and how much to share. And that trade-off is between garnering investor favor um, by building trust, by sharing the kinds of information that will attract investment, while also covering their legal tracks. So companies aren't going to want to share information that would expose them to liability risk um, needlessly or excessively. Uh, or insofar as it outweighs the benefits that a company's getting in terms of investment attraction. Um, so if there's too much liability put on the types of statements that companies are disclosing, that tips the balance too much to the disfavor of disclosure. Uh, and the reason I said this is a double-edged sword is that that's actually going to deprive the market of information, even if right now we have a mix of valuable disclosures and noise, we have information that's getting put out there. And there is a soft law value um, of the changing mindset that disclosing this information affects internal to the company. So as companies are disclosing their information, it's at least on the radar as something that should be monitored, that comes into conversation. By increasing the the legal liability, we're shutting off this valve. um, And that means that those internal conversations and the general mainstream uh, uh, metrics that are being discussed are going to be cut off.
0: Right. We have a new president coming in, um, which is exciting. And um, can you tell us how you think the incoming Biden and its administration might incorporate ESG data reporting into its larger climate goals? And how have you seen companies respond to the election in terms of their sustainability performance or reporting?
1: Yeah, that's a really important question. Um, the Biden administration has demonstrated so far that climate will be a priority across the government, and the cabinet picks so far have evidenced that. And I don't expect the SEC to be any exception, the Securities and Exchange Commission. Um, The current SEC chair has announced that he'll be leaving at the end of the year, uh, about six months, I think, before the end of his uh, term, which gives President-elect Biden the opportunity to appoint an interim commissioner. And this would shift the balance in the SEC to democratic control. I anticipate that the Biden administration's more activist climate policy will be supported by more mandatory ESG disclosures, particularly around issues of climate risk, and this expanded disclosure is a means to expand the variables that corporations take into account internally. It is possible that the Biden administration will insist on mandatory ESG disclosures, and I guess we'll be hearing a lot more on that during the SEC commissioner hearings. Companies have already been moving in the direction of more reporting and more attentiveness to sustainability performance as a response to market demands, even in the absence of a more favorable administration. And it can only be expected that this will be further amplified by more by, by a more sustainability-minded uh, Biden administration.
0: Okay, great. And um, we're also wondering... Um, if it's possible for environmental justice to be integrated into current ESG reporting metrics, if it's already being integrated, and if there are opportunities to increase um, measurement or increase inclusion of environmental justice into these metrics?
1: ESG behavior is very much a function of ESG reporting. Uh, companies manage what they measure, as Lewis Loewenstein famously said, Um, And there are certainly environmental justice metrics that can be incorporated into ESG reporting, but this would represent a departure from the more popular approach to ESG disclosures that that currently dominates, which focuses primarily on those ESG practices that reinforce or improve corporate profits. So really looking at where that synergy between financial performance and ESG performance overlap. And some ESG objectives will be at odds. With shareholder value. They'll be at the expense of shareholder value. And these metrics are less likely to be of interest to the more mainstream investors um, who may not be as committed to the social ends, but are sort of trying to ride the wave of increased popularity of ESG and and NSRI. They consider ESG as more of a shareholder value enhancement tool. And I think that will be the greatest challenge is uh, gaining traction on environmental justice reporting, where it's not necessarily feeding back into that shareholder value, as narrowly defined now.
0: Right. For our closing question, um, we are wondering, how can we make corporate sustainability performance more transparent and meaningful to everyday consumers and more casual investors who want to support sustainability and not just investors who have technical understandings of the field?
1: Yeah, we need consistent and reliable data, and this can best be ensured through clear mandatory disclosures, through independent vetting and auditing of these disclosures, and by providing legal recourse for investors when disclosures are found to be false or misleading. I think those are the three key prongs um, to making sure that more casual investors can support sustainability.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much, Aisha, for joining us today.
1: It's been a real pleasure.